Now, as I arrived in the theater tonight, um, mm -hmm. Gertie was kind enough that she got some of our decorations for the season out. Toppy, did you notice the jack-o'-lanterns out front? Toppy, you better say yes. Yeah, I, I did. I did. I did. Very nice. Very, very festive. Very Halloween-y. I, I, I loved it. Good. <laughs> yeah. That's the only time we trust her with sharp objects. Oh, wait. Uh, so, Mr. Smelly, it is a fine fall evening. How have the temperatures been in your neck of the woods? Well, it, it's it's been on the cool side. I, 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 uh, it, 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 you have to have the heat on now, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah. I think we turned ours on the other week and we finally took the air conditioner out of our bedroom window because, you know... It was nice to have for the summer, but uh, it doesn't quite keep the heat in with it there, so that's gone. <laughs> but yes, nice and toasty evenings, and uh, it's nice and brisk when I get out for my walk just before the sun comes out. But uh, I, I do see, I do say that we probably are about in the fifties before it's sunset. So. You know, warm for fall, but, uh, you know, cool breezes and whatnot, so... You guys gonna do this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey Gertie. I, I know you gotta go catch your bus, so can you uh, take your place on the stage there? All right, I'll be down there. All right, good. Thank you, Gertie. <laughs> we love our Gertie. We sure do. Here we go. Lionel Twain, an eccentric connoisseur of mysteries, has invited a veritable who's who of sleuths to his estate for bragging rights on sharpest detective skills. But as the dinner hour approaches, everything's not as it seems. This one has falling gargoyles, screaming doorbells, and a bumbling butler. Get your shoulder holsters and a martini glass. And don't forget your change for the payphone. It's time for Murder by Death. Hit it, boys! What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen, a pinch of golden oldies, and a smidgen of screaming? It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Oh, hey ho there, folks. It is the uh, second show of the month of October. We're well into the swing of things here with our second season. And Toppy, if you'll do me a favor, peek out over the balcony there. Let me know who is joining us tonight. Well, we got a little crowd here. Uh, we've got uh, Aunt Tudor returning, as well as your husband, Billy. He's in there. And uh, we got a fellow named Rick Blaine, 1964. He says he's from Denver. And we have our pal Tommy. Now, DJ, I understand that Tommy is not in his own home, but he's actually in your house even as we speak. Is that true? Yes. The fort, the folks in Fort Maple were kind enough to let him off his leash. So we've borrowed him for the weekend. Excellent. So, Toppy, tonight we are gathered together by a great love of film and television trivia. Now, for those of you who may not have caught our last episode, tonight is a listener request. Now, I have it on good authority as a side note that our senior showgirl here, our dame behind the candy counter, well, yeah. <laughs> she has been around the block. Now, Gertie, isn't it? Yeah, we can beat by that. Well, a little. Uh, uh, anyways, Gertie, is it true that you once dated a hunter? Wait a minute. Dated a hunter? Let me think. Have I told you that story? I didn't think I told you that story. Well, you, yeah. ha you had that beautiful fox stole there. I assumed it wasn't grandma. <laughs> No, no, I have. <laughs> so, uh, you know, since this is a listener request, why don't you treat us with one of those bird calls you're so well known for? All right, um, here we go. 
So, folks, anytime. Like that? Yeah. Wow. You still got it there, ma'am. Thank you. So, folks, anytime you hear that bird call, that's a Canadian loon. That is a listener request. So, tonight we're going to be talking about a show that one of our listeners, in fact, it's our dear friend Tommy from Fort Maple, had. Uh, suggested tonight's film yeah uh the very tommy in the uh, chat room here uh he's a big fan of this movie so we thought we'd uh we'd uh, put that right on our little shoe here just for tommy and everyone else will enjoy it as well so as we begin our discussion of the film tonight we like to take a moment to put your mind into the frame of things that were going on when this was made. So we're going to talk about the world in 1976, the centennial or the bicentennial of America. It certainly was. In 1976, in the sports ball there, hockey, the Philadelphia Flyers won 4-1 against the Soviet Union's Red Army team. Also, Clifford Alexander became the first African-American secretary of the U.S. Army. Conrail, the train... Conrail is formed from 13 Northeast Railroads in bankruptcy. A couple of my grandfathers uh, both retired from the railroad. And uh, Conrail existed between 1976 and 1986. Washington, D.C. is added to the list of airports served by the Concorde. You know that... uh, that um, airplane that could break the sound barrier and cost you a pretty penny because you got there in half the time. They yeah, were, right. You know, and there was even a movie uh, and a play done about that. Wait, tell me the play. Please tell me the play is not a play version of the movie. Actually, it's my understanding it's the reverse that the movie is based upon the play. Oh, all right. And uh, so after the uh, the Concorde began its flights through D.C. in 76, the first class of women is inducted as the U.S. Naval or at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Also oh. in 76, Gerald Ford defeated Ronald Reagan in the race to become the, the Republican nominee for U.S. president in the 76 election. Wow. Oh, wow. DJ, were you even born? Um, <laughs> well, it is safe to say that I was a twinkle in the eye, at least. And that was the world in 76. Well, that's lovely. Um, I got a few celebrities for you, DJ. And these uh, folks were born in 76, just to give you a sense of the time. You know that uh, the kid who played the son on Who's the Boss, DJ? Mm-hmm. That Danny Pintaro, I believe that's how you pronounce it. He was born in 76. You know that Reese Witherspoon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from uh, Legally Blonde? Mm-hmm. Born oh. in 76. As was... Alicia Silverstone, the subject of our very last little shoe. Uh, She did Clueless and uh, Born in 76. Oh, right. So, also, uh, since we're talking about a movie this time, because we do sometimes talk about TV shows, we we have to get back around to that, I think, soon. But uh, in 1976, some of the competition that was out at the box office that... um, Murder by Death was up against, included the number one film of the year, starring Sylvester Stallone and possibly his most successful film uh, franchise, Rocky. Oh, Adrian! (laughs) And, uh, you know, some folks may not know this, but that's actually based upon a true story of a famous boxer from Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, Rocky Marciano. Uh, that was number one, and it made 117 million in '76. Now, this next film, I, I, it doesn't really have a story to it, and I was actually surprised to hear that it was considered the number two for the year. There was a film called Two Fly with an expl- exclamation point. 
It was number two in the theaters, made $86 million. It was basically a documentary about flying. Oh. But it was uh, released nationwide, apparently, possibly in connection with the Bicentennial of America. And Very interesting. I have no memory of it in any form, shape, whatsoever and uh rounding things out in the top of the box office it was number three starring sweet mama's favorite uh recording artist babs aka barbara streisand in a star is born and that made 86 million and 76 you better believe it my sweet memo loves the barbara and uh, a couple couple years ago I took a sweet memo to New York City, and uh, she and I got to uh, see Bob, Bob, Barbara, Babs in uh, person, and her legs are like butter. <laughs> so it's no secret, of course, that we love the underdog here at Matinee Minutia. Now, Murder by Death, well, it wasn't in the top, but uh, compared to some of my picks, it, it wasn't... Uh, low on the totem pole. It was actually number 13, lucky 13. Hey. <laughs> Made 32 million that year. Now, to give you an idea of the uh, the ballpark this was in, the number 12 film, the film that did just one better was Pink Panther Strikes Again, which I think has a member of this cast, Peter Sellers. Yeah. And also number 14, the one that did just a little under Murder by Death. Well, it's a film we've talked about before. It was Taxi Driver. It was at $28 million for the box office that year. Yes, uh, we could not have two different movies. Uh, uh, Murdered by Death and Taxi Driver. That would be... A, no, uh, I'm glad we're doing Murder by Death and I'm a Taxi Driver someday, maybe. So we're going to go ahead and start talking about the storyline. Yeah, DJ, before we do that... Ooh. Oh, yeah. Uh, why don't you play uh, the trailer for Murder by Death? Alrighty. I don't feel good about this, Sam. There's a number on the wall for all of us, Angel. Neil Simon's Murder by Death. Meanwhile, a short, sinister man who looks exactly like Truman Capote is preparing a diabolical weekend for the greatest detectives in the world, Sidney Wang. Don't I think, Pop? Perfect place for a murder. Conversation like a television set on Hollywood. Unnecessary. Dick and Dora Charleston. Yeah, would you walk them out in the other room? Diamond. I think we picked ourselves a queer bird, Angel. Anything else? He has no pinkies. No pinkies? You mean Twain has only got eight fingers? No, no, he's got ten. He just doesn't have any pinkies. As we join them, our five clue persons and their faithful companions are trapped in a mysterious old mansion where a fiendishly ingenious crime is about to take place. The victim is here at this very table at this very moment. And so too, ladies and gentlemen, is the murderer. It's most stupid theory I ever heard. <laughs> One of us is a mad killer, not to be trusted. I hope he knows how to stop that thing. Returning to the kitchen... Who are you? The blind butler encounters the dumb cook. Oh, you must be the new kitchen maid. Then what has happened to the butler? The cook! Where's the cook? Two minutes to midnight. Gunshots, monsieur. Gunshots, pop. Gunshots, Sam. Gunshots, Dickie. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I like it, but do not understand it. That can only mean one thing. And I don't know what it is. It means, are these five monumental minds any match for murder by death? 
Eileen Brennan, Truman Capote, James Coco, Peter Falk, Alec Guinness, Elsa Lanchester, the murderer is David Niven, <laughs> Peter Sellers, Maggie Smith, Nancy Walker, Estelle Winwood, and Myron. In the number one who done it. Neil Simon's new comedy, Murder by Death. Should make exciting weekend. There you go, folks. DJ, I gotta tell you, ah, this entire cast practically all died not long after this. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we laughing about that, DJ? Oh, I don't know why it's funny. Well, it, it, it was rather misconstrued, you see. It's Halloween, and that was our evil laugh. <laughs> there you go. So, folks, Murder by Death. Well, essentially, you heard it. It's a broad parody of uh, this traditional movie trope that we've seen again and again the the country house who done it people gather at a house have to spend the night and there's a murder and everything and this cast it's 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 a mix of uh, british and american actors and they're 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 playing send-ups they're all pretending to be these fictional sleuths except they they have slightly different names but basically uh, there's Hercule Poirot, Miss Marple, Charlie Chan, Nick and Nora Charles, Sam Spade. They're all slightly different names, but that's them. And maybe sort of kind of cool <laughs> is a rare acting performance by uh, the author Truman Capote. So there you go. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the cast, DJ, and I'm going to start with Eileen Brennan. She was uh, born in L.A., uh, but she was a New York transplant. And uh, interestingly, when she went to acting school, her roommate was Rue McClanahan. Oh, girls. Blanche. Blanche. Uh, she, this is, the, uh, would you believe this? <laughs> way, way, way back in the early 60s, she auditioned for the lead as Laura Petrie in the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh. I mean, what a, just imagine, of course, she would be quite a bit younger than we know her in the 70s. But, uh, wow, totally different. Uh, she also co-starred in two films with Burt Reynolds. One was Hustle with Catherine Deneuve and At Long Last Love with Sybil Shepherd. And then uh, she was also on television, a semi-regular on Laughing for at least six episodes. DJ, who else do we got in here? All right. Well, also, uh, oh, after, we're still talking about. Uh, oh, sorry. I, we're, I, we're, I, you're getting... <laughs> That's okay. So uh, Eileen Brennan, uh, also after Merv by Death, she starred in The Cheap Detective, which was just two years later. And it also starred her co-stars from Murder by Death, Peter Falk, as well as she was joined by Anne Margaret. Now, uh, Toppy and I have talked about this backstage here, but my first time seeing Anne Margaret was actually in a much later movie. It was in the Grumpy Old Men movies with uh, Walter Matthau and um, Jack Lemmon. Uh, let's see. Now, after The Cheap Detective, Eileen Brennan was in... One of my favorites, because, of course, it has Goldie Hawn, who was also a regular on Laughing for a time there. In 1980, Eileen Brennan did Private Benjamin, and she played a very iconic army captain. Mm -hmm. And uh, just a handful of years later, she did Clue, which some think is very much in the vein of Murder by Death. And she got to do that film with the legendary Tim Curry, which, of course, uh, you know, it, well, it, this film has a, a cult following of its own. But uh, in uh, 1982, so between Private Benjamin and Clue, uh, Eileen Brennan was a victim of a car accident. Now, she broke her leg 
And within a year, she was also battling breast cancer. So the story goes that she was leaving dinner with Goldie Hawn because they were pals. And they were just about to start doing a TV show from the movie. Now, Goldie wasn't in the TV show, but Eileen Brennan was. And they were leaving uh, the scene of the dinner accident. Now, I'm not sure how Goldie fared, but certainly Eileen was the worst for wear. And uh, uh, continuing on, one of her last roles uh, in more recent years, because Miss Brennan has since passed on, uh, but in 2004... She made a few appearances on Will and Grace. She was Jack's drama teacher. And one of her last roles that I certainly remember, it was in the sequel to a movie that Sandra Bullock did in the in the early 2000s. Uh, this was called Miss Congeniality. And this was Miss Congeniality 2. So you, you basically have a, a police officer who's going undercover in a beauty pageant. That's Sandra Bullock. But Eileen Brennan got to play the part of William Shatner's character's mother. She was a wheelchair-bound older woman, and they had to hunt her down in the nursing home because William Shatner's character, who was one of the judges of the beauty pageant, had gone missing. And, well... Uh, they had a little fun with her because her character had a speech impediment, and whenever she said that uh, her son was at the casino, she she meant to say the slots, but um, well, they thought she said another word. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about Truman Capote, who really isn't an actor, and. I wanted to find out why they got him. I I imagine there's a connection between Neil Simon, who wrote this movie, and Truman Capote, maybe the producer. And they just realized that because of some, I don't know, what do we want to call them? Well, let's just say Truman Capote is a character. No one else in the world talks like Truman Capote did. He certainly had a presence in this. Yes. Um, Anyway, so Truman Capote, well, who was he? He was an author. He did In Cold Blood. That was the height of his career. And he wrote uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, which became a movie in 1961. And... uh, he was the childhood neighbor of Harper Lee, and she wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. In fact, uh, the the character of the na- the neighbor kid that um, that played with uh, the children in To Kill a Mockingbird is based on uh, Truman Capote as a child. And um, <clears throat> what else do we know? Well, he inspired... So many people. He was such a personality. He was a man about town. He was a celebrity in many pillar uh, of Studio Fifty Four, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, Truman was gay, and his long-term partner Jack uh, maintained. They maintained separate residences, and uh, just, just one of those characters. I recommend anybody go to YouTube. And for example, just just find his interview with Dick Cavett. Okay, that those are some gems. I gotta tell you, DJ. What else we got here? I think James Coco. Tell us about him. Okay, well, Mr. James Coco, he plays the part of the the um, the one of the foreign detectives. Now he's sort of a parody of Poirot who is, of course, known as one of Agatha Christie's characters. And everyone thinks, oh, he's a Frenchie. But he says, no, I'm not a Frenchie. I'm a Belgie. And <laughs> <laughs> but James Coco was a character actor. And uh, he had guest appearances on many a TV show in his day. Now, this includes the Patty Duke show. And he also had appearances on Maud. Alice, Murder, She Wrote, Love Boat. So, you know, the the uh, guest character of the week. 
but uh, he was the lead role in his own TV show just a handful of years before Murder by Death. And this was a show on CBS called Colucci Department. Now, it kind of sounds dirty if you ask me, but it might be. It sounds like a cop show. Yeah. And now, of course, I did a little reading on it. Apparently, it was basically a sitcom about the unemployment office. And his character was the supervisor of that office. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, Mr. James Coco was a primetime Emmy winner. And this was for Best Supporting Actor in 1983. So, you know, a couple decades after this, he was on the hospital show St. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. James Coco finished out his career because, uh, well, sadly, we lost him uh, at an early age. He wasn't even, I think, 60 at the time. He passed on from a heart attack. But uh, in the end of his career, he got to be on a sitcom where he played opposite Tony Danza. He played his brother, Nick, on Who's the Boss? So a little um, uh, Alyssa Milano's character, that was her uncle. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. DJ, before we go on, I just have to comment on the chat room because it's so much fun. Uh, Our Tommy and uh, our pal uh, Rick uh, both collect signatures and they're they're just getting all down on it. And it's it's just fun to look at. So uh, we love uh, we love when this happens. So. Um, every you know, just getting the chitter chat going in the chat, folks. If you haven't, folks, if you, you're listening to our the podcast version of this little shoe, you gotta know that on Friday nights we do it live, and you could be here in the chat room having fun with everybody too. Anyways, uh, Peter Falk. Let's get into him because people love this guy because well, he was. Lieutenant Columbo, what can you say? A long-running TV show, 68 to 2003. That's long-running, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah. He won four Emmy Awards for doing Columbo and a Golden Globe to boot. Uh, but he uh, had a film career, and he was... Uh, awarded for Best Supporting Actor for a 1960 movie he did, and it was called Murder, Inc. Um, And he was, uh, did I say, he didn't win it. I'm sorry, he was nominated. That's what I meant to say if I didn't say that. He was also nominated in 1961, a year later, for A Pocket of Miracles. And he uh, won his first Emmy, not for Columbo, but way back in 62 for a, uh, a, a turn in the Dick Powell Theater, uh, which was one of those. Oh, it was live, I imagine. I don't know that for sure, but I, I think it was probably one of those live ensemble shows uh, that had a different story um, uh, every episode with different actors. Um, He was actually the first actor to be nominated for both an Academy Award and an Emmy Emmy Award in the very same year. And he actually did that twice in 61 and 62. So what was his film career? Well, you would have seen him in Mad, 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 World. 1963, The Great Race in 65, Anzio in 68, A Woman Under the Influence. That was a very serious role in 74. Of course, we got uh, this here movie, Murder by Death. In uh, 76, the same year, he did Mickey and Nicky. And in 78, he did his second Neil Simon adventure as the cheap detective one of my favorites oh my god this is a lot of people's favorites in 79 peter Falk did the in-laws oh my god another super favorite people love the princess bride peter falk was in that in 1987 also in 87 the wings of desire in 92 the player and a little movie called next in 2007 and many other television guest roles TV Guide, DJ, ranked Peter Falk number 21 
on its 50 greatest TV stars of all time. Oh, boy. So we have reached the middle of our program tonight, and uh, we have a special treat for you folks if you want to stick around for a moment here. So, Toppy, uh, go ahead and let us know what we're going to be listening to here. Well, uh, this is your chance to run to the fridge, uh, the, the little boys' room, replenish your drink. I got a three-minute clip here. It's it's mostly Alec Guinness, who is the blind butler in this uh, murder by death. And uh, it's about three minutes, folks. Sit here and listen, or if uh, you got to take a break, do so. Let's play it, DJ. Up there, Dora, look. Blind butler. Don't let him park the car, Dickie. Why would anyone want to hire a blind butler? For one thing, very cheap. How butler know how much he gets paid? Good evening. We have been expecting you. One moment, please, while I close the door. That this butler I do not trust. Notice how his eyes never look at you. He's blind, monsieur. He's blind, all right. Those were my funniest faces. dish, sir? There is nothing in my dish but my dish. I don't understand, sir. Here, take the spoon. Taste it for yourself. I see what you mean, sir. If you'll excuse me, I'd better have a little talk with the cook. Ten people for dinner, and I'm serving them hot nothing. You're fired, you understand? Fired. And stay You are? Uh, Benson, ma'am. Thank you, Benson. Uh, no, 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 no. Benson, ma'am. My name is Benson, ma'am. Benson, ma'am? Yes, sir. James, sir. Benson, ma'am. James, sir? Yes, sir. James, sir. Benson, ma'am? Yes, sir. Howard. My father's name, sir. What was your father's name? Howard. Howard Benson, ma'am. Your father was Howard Benson, ma'am. Leave it, Peter, here. I've had enough. I will need a cold compress for my chauffeur and a cup of hot chocolate for me. Nespa? I don't think we have Nespa, sir. Just Hershey's. But a completely murder. Quickly, go back to the kitchen, get dining room key from pocket of dead butler. You don't have to say dead butler. It's bad enough I have to put my hand in his pocket. I went back to get the key out of the butler's pocket. His butter was missing. He'd been stripped naked, and his clothes left in his place. I don't understand. Why would anybody want to steal a dead, naked body? Well, dear, there are people who... Um... Oh, that's tacky. That's really tacky. We left our luggage in the trunk. I'll get it later, ma'am, when I park the car. Wow. Oh, welcome back, folks. I hope you had a chance to refill your drink or run to the little boy's room. Little, little get girl's more, room. Get more popcorn from Gertie. Yeah, how about that, folks? I don't see anybody putting their dime down for my popcorn. I think I popped it for nothing. Like usual. Whoa. I'm sorry, folks. Okay, um, DJ, let's move on. We still have a... This, uh, folks... Uh, Murder by Death was an ensemble cast, a large one, so we're still going on. Who do we got next? Oh, my goodness, Toppy. Now, this is one of uh, my favorite people in films, and I was hard-pressed to know that this is not an English gentleman. He plays the... You know, the professional types so well that I thought he was born abroad. But uh, Mr. David Niven, I, I think, wasn't he 
while backpedaling. Anyway, saw David Niven. He is a memoirist and novelist, and his many roles included squadron leader Peter Carter in a film called A Matter of Life and Death. He also starred in a few other films before this, uh, in uh, Phileas Fogg, Around the World in 80 Days, and he played Sir Charles Lytton, the Phantom in The Pink Panther. Uh, He won uh, the Academy Award for Best Actor for his performance in a film at the beginning of his career in 1958 called Separate Tables. Well, actually... David Niven, uh, back in the 70s, had been with us for a long time, and the 50s was hardly the beginning of his career, Oh, but it was probably midway through. And he was born in London, uh, but uh, continued, DJ. He developed an interest in acting uh, in his youth, and he left for the British Army, traveled to Hollywood, and had several minor roles in the in films, so he crossed over. He first appeared as an extra in the British film "There Goes the Bride," which was made in '32. There you go. So he's wow. been around. Hmm. Later, he appeared in "A Matter of Life and Death" in '46. Right now, here we're in America, and the '40s is when his career really started. Ah, and then The Bishop's Wife, which was many years later remade with Whitney Houston. Oh, well, it wasn't that bad. But uh, the original, starring David Niven, was made in 47. He also starred with uh, legend of the screen, Cary Grant, and uh, in Enchantment in 1948. Let me just clarify DJ, and this is, folks, this is my writing, and oh. that's why DJ's getting tripped up. Cary Gant was in The Bishop's Wife. Oh, well, that makes me want to see the original now, because Cary Gant Oh, you should, you should. Oh, it's magical. It's lovely. So he also was starring in Enchantment in 1948, and then uh, all of which received critical acclaim. He Niven later appeared in The Elusive Pimpernel in 1950. In 50, also, is the Toast of New Orleans. In 51, Happy Go Lovely. Happily Ever After in 54. And in 55, he was in Carrington, V.C. And then, of course, uh, before he scored a big success is Phileas Fogg and Michael Todd's production of Around the World in 80 Days. That was in 56. Yeah. So he he became this character in this voice and this face that everybody recognized and uh, there were many other movies he he did nearly a hundred movies folks and many i mean he was just on so many tv shows uh you can't even count them and he wrote books and uh he was a very successful writer he wrote memoirs and, and other things um later on uh, he did a, a, an appearance in, in the, uh, the final Pink Panther films, Trail of the Pink Panther, Curse of the Pink Panther. And um, one of the things I love that he did was another whodunit, and that was uh, Death on the Nile, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite uh, Agatha Christie uh, books that became a, a movie. And uh, DJ, who's the one? Well, is it the one? Maybe it is the one. The one actress that is still alive today. Oh, my goodness. Who was in this movie. Well, I'll backpedal in a moment here because I got to ask you a question about Mr. Niven here. But Dame Maggie Smith. Now, she I don't think she was a lady uh, at the time this movie was made. You know, not in the no. formal sense. No, no, no. But she was born in 1934. So, uh, you know, she, she wasn't quite middle-aged yet. But she was uh, coming up to that when this came out, when Murder by Death came out in 76. But she's an English actress. And she has had an extensive, varied career on stage, film, and television, which has spent over 67 years. And nowadays, you might have seen her in that long-running show called Downton Abbey. And she's even in the movie that's come out. 
Uh, Smith has appeared in more than 50 films. Now, she began her career on stage as a student performing at the Oxford Playhouse back in 52. And she made her professional debut on Broadway in New Faces. And this was in 56. Uh, That was the title, New Faces Faces of of 56. 56. Ah. Much later, she received Tony Award nomination for Private Lives in 75. And then a night and day in '79, and then uh, before she went won in 1990 the Tony Award for Best Actress in a play for Lettuce and Lovage. On screen, uh, Maggie Smith first drew praise for the crime film Nowhere to Go in 1958, for which she received her first British Academy of Film and Television Arts BAFTA Award. She is one two Academy Awards, you know, the Oscars. Uh, She won Best Actress for The Prime of Miss Jean Brody in 1969 and Best Supporting Actress for for California Suite in... Of all things, California Suite. (laughs) I don't know how that happened, folks. I would say that's one of her lesser movies, but she won the Oscar. So we're getting uh, close to the uh, the last uh, section of the show here, Toppy. So we may need to trim some of this. But uh, she was one of only six actresses to have won in both categories that year. She received four other Oscar nominations that were for Othello in 65, Travels with My Aunt in 72, A Room with a View in 86, Gosford Park in 2001, and of course, today's generation may know her better as Professor Minerva McGonagall in the Harry Potter series of films, of which I believe there were seven. And I have to ask you, Toppy, before we uh, uh, move forward here quick, what would you say the first films that you have seen both Mr. David Niven and Maggie Smith in? Well, gee, I know they were both in Death on the Nile, but earlier than that? Well, mm. no, I, I just mean your first exposure to them, not necessarily something they're in together. Oh, okay. My first exposure was definitely Death on the Nile to both of them that oh, I knew of. Okay. Well, um, you know, I was I was a few classes behind Toppy in, in the, the, fan, uh, the film fan realm here so i'll have to admit that my first exposure to maggie smith was when she played mother superior in Whoopi goldberg's 90s film sister act yes and then uh, my first exposure to mr david niven is a little film i'll talk about a little bit more later but he starred in this with disney legend helen hayes and uh well a up-and-coming child actress that's been directing more nowadays jodie foster oh i know the title of this movie (laughs) (laughs) see me after class uh so toppy uh what would we like to continue on with here are we gonna uh, press forward to mr sellers we need to talk about peter sellers a strange character (laughs) an interesting actor uh, he started out in radio with the Goon Show. This is a BBC radio, and um, uh, he somehow, because of his just, he was so clever um, that he went on uh, to begin a film career, and that was in the 1950s. So he's been around. Uh, Murder by Death in the 70s. So he was doing films starting in the 50s. Uh, Stanley Kubrick's Lolita in 62. Another St- Stanley Kubrick movie that maybe put him on the map, Dr. Strangeglove in 64. Again, another one, What's New Pussycat, in, uh, just a year later in 65. So his career was moving. Casino Royale, 67. The Party, 68. Now, if I'm not mistaken, that Casino Royale, didn't that have David Niven in it? It did. Oh, my. Kevin Bacon game. (laughs) There you go. And my favorite uh, 
movie that Peter Sellers did. It will one of my absolute favorite movies of all time in 1979. He was in being there. Hmm. What an amazing movie. So he was nominated three times for an Academy Award, twice for Best Actor, uh, once uh, for Dr. Strange Club, once for being there, and also once for uh, the best live action uh, for the uh, a live action short film he did way back in 59 called The Running, Jumping, and Standing Still Film. And that was kind of a... Just a short film directed by Richard Lester, and it was released in 59. It was filmed over two Sundays <laughs> in 1959 at the cost of around 70 pounds. Uh, it was a favorite of the Beatles, and, and they sort of took that short, and the Beatles said, you know, let's do something like it. So they came up with The Hard Day's Night and then Help. Uh, but anyways, that was uh, right at this, this beginning. So what was really special about Peter Seller, DJ? Uh, his versatility enabled him to portray a wide range of comic characters using different accents and guises. So, yeah, he was the stereotype in this. That it was not a man of Asian descent who was playing the detective named Wang. It was Mr. Peter Sellers, who, of course, <laughs> was known for the Pink Panther movies. And uh, he would often assume multiple roles within the same film, frequently with contrasting temperaments and styles. <laughs> You know, DJ, I don't know. You know, today's sensibilities, I kind of think that Peter St uh, Peter Sellers' role in Murder by Death, I don't know. I think maybe many people might find it offensive. <laughs> and he actually did um, characters like that, um, Asian characters, more than once or twice. And... Uh, Oh, well, who didn't? I mean, Tony Randall and Jerry Lewis. And then let's not forget about a little film that Julie Andrews was in with, uh, I think, Marlo Thomas called uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. That's tragic in the racist. Uh... Listen, DJ, I'm sorry. Marlo <laughs> Thomas was not in anything racist in her life. Now you stop it. You stop it right now. She is I don't want to hear about it. She's a wholesome down-home girl. <laughs> we got to get into the uh, creative people behind this. First of all, um, let's just talk about um, who was the uh, director of uh, Murder by Death, DJ. This was Mr. Robert Moore. Now, he was best known for his direction of the groundbreaking play, The Boys in the Band. And it... it uh, it chronicled the lives of a group of gay friends in, I want to say, Greenwich Village, New York. And they were of different age groups, but the important thing was is that it uh, put into perspective the, the life cycle of friendship in New York City in that time. Now, his Broadway productions... Oh, DJ, mm -hmm. can I just... Uh... Am I crazy, or is there a new version of Boys in the Band I, on Broadway, or, or is it a movie? Or? I do believe that there's been an updated version of Boys in the Band that's been done, so a revival. And if I'm not mistaken, um, Matt Baum, uh, openly gay actor Matt Baum, who was in uh, the TV series White Collar, is in this, mm -hmm. and he is actually, some of you may not know, he is a cousin, a distant one, though, of Henry Cavill, who's been recently been playing Superman. Okay. Wow. That's some trivia, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, his Broadway productions, which garnered him five Tony Award nominations, uh, and his collaborations with Neil Simon included Murder by Death and The Cheap Detective. Which was another movie <clears throat> that uh, Peter Falk was in. Now, he was uh, uh, this Roger, Robert Moore guy, he was also an actor. And he played a disabled gay man opposite Liza Minnelli in the 1970 drama Tell Me That You Love Me, Junie Moon. He appeared in two episodes of Valerie Harper's sitcom Rhoda, 
uh, and he directed like 26 or more episodes of Rhoda himself. And he was also in one episode of the Mary Tyler Moore show as Phyllis's gay brother. I remember that episode. Um, <clears throat> he was a regular, get this in 1973 kids. Do you remember Diana Rigg? Well, she had a sitcom. It was kind of short-lived, but he was on it. <laughs> and uh, he was also on the Bob Newhart show uh, he was in <clears throat> uh, a 1976. I gotta see this, folks. Wait, do you hear this? A 1976 TV production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof with Natalie Wood, Robert Wagner, Lawrence Olivier, and Maureen Stapleton. Good oh, Lord, wow. sign me up. Where can I find a copy of that? <laughs> Who wrote this, DJ? Oh, well, this was done, of course, by Neil Simon, and we're having a run on him this season because we started off with one of my favorites, Max Dugan Returns, which was not a play, but it was written by Neil Simon, just as Murder by Death was. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, DJ, just... Uh, we're, we're running down to the uh, end of our little shoe here tonight about murder by death. Uh, had you seen it before? When we, we reviewed it for this uh, show, uh, this episode, had you seen it before or was this the first time? I hadn't. And, of course, Tommy had mentioned that he was uh, looking forward to us discussing this. And, of course, with the cast like this you you're surprised that the story goes by so quickly because this is not one of those modern films that goes on forever and ever this movie is done before you know it it's only like an hour and a half or so um that's true it goes it does it does move uh tommy since you're here and in the chat room uh just Type in something about like why why you chose this why you selected this what is it that ins you know why why did this movie become the movie you wanted us to do? Um, I gotta say, <clears throat> I did not. Tommy's probably having a break right now. And he's not gonna hear this. <laughs> but anyways, I didn't. I I did not see this until this week. Um, oh nope, Tommy's typing. So we're gonna hear in a few, in a few minutes. Um, and I was quite delighted by it. It, it's got those Neil Simon lines. It's it's got quick wit, lovely, lovely actors from ye old days. We haven't even mentioned uh, Elsa Lancaster, and. Uh, <laughs> It's oh, just, it's a wonderful cast. Real quick, Top, you just tell everybody why she's important. Well, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of reasons why she's important. She, be, she, her film career and stage career goes way, way back, like most of the cast in this damn movie. But uh, gee whiz, folks, uh, did you ever see her as the <laughs> bride of Frankenstein? That's that, right. She was the bride of Frankenstein. And that was the lady who played Miss Marbles in this film. Yeah. So it was a delightful cast. And Tommy in the chairman, see, he chose this because it was written by Neil Simon, that it was great for Halloween because it's kind of spooky fun. And most of all, this amazing cast of actors and you know what dj it just came to mind right now that if they tried to do this movie today it wouldn't sell you want to know why because there's nobody young in it <laughs> there is nobody if they tried to do it today they'd have to have like a 20 something uh hot guy and a, a, another 20 something hot gal you know and they they'd have to put shove that in there Oh, uh, but in the 70s, eh, 
we were okay with these uh, older, uh, more mature actors. I, I would have to assume if it were done today that the role played by Truman Capote, Mr. Lionel Twain, which, by the way, folks, that's a parody. Lionel Twain is supposed to sound like a speech impediment. Lionel Train? Uh, okay, I did not get that. Yeah. Now, where, where, is that something you think or did you read that no, somewhere? Or what? Uh, no, I read that. Uh, but yeah, so Lionel Twain. But, oh, uh, Lionel Train, the model train thing. Yes. Okay, I get it. <laughs> but you know, it, if this movie were done today, I think that the role that was played by Truman Capote would probably be some YouTube star just for, you know, the audience. Yeah. Yeah, so we are at the part of the show where we're going to tell you about other things that are kind of like this that you might enjoy. We call this our snack tray. Now, uh, as I was talking about a little bit ago, my first exposure to David Niven, no, I didn't meet him in person, and no, it wasn't indecent, despite the rumors. Uh, Mr. David Niven was in a film a year after Murder by Death, with Disney legend Helen Hayes, a sweet older lady, always playing grandma. And uh, it also had child actress Jodie Foster. This was a movie called Candle Shoe. Yeah. And it has a beautiful estate out in the English countryside. And, uh, well, basically, Jodie Foster plays a girl on the streets who's trying to be passed off as an heiress. And uh, I think you would enjoy that if you enjoyed Murder by Death. And also something that stars Mr. Peter Falk. Yeah. Uh, about a decade or so after this, Peter Falk starred in uh, pop star Cindy Lauper's film debut. Now, she also co-starred with um, early star. He was in the Fly remake in the 80s, Jeff Goldblum. And this was a movie called Vibes, and uh, it's just a guilty pleasure of mine because it was the beginning of Cindy's career. And, uh, well, they basically are psychics, and they go to South America to try to find a treasure. And Peter Falk's character, uh, in sort of a role reversal, because whenever you play the detectives, you always have, you know, the, the, the client come to your office and hire you. Well, in this story... He's the one who hires them. So that's Vibes from 1988. Excellent. I got to check that out, DJ. Just a couple quick uh, uh, trivia things that I just somehow popped into my mind about Murder by Death is, first of all, the title sequence and actually some of the posters have art by Charles Adams. He's the guy that did the cartoons uh, in the New Yorker magazine that later inspired the TV series in the 60s called The Adams Family. And uh, later on, much later on, uh, the uh, movies with Angelica Houston, et cetera, et cetera, uh, The Adams Family, I think there were three of them, I don't know. Uh, but those wonderful, wonderful cartoons in the New Yorker uh were what made Charles Adams famous. And he was just the right person to do the title sequence of murder by death, uh, by drawing, uh, the characters and, uh, just a nifty, nifty, uh, title sequence for that movie. And also, Oh no, DJ, <laughs> the second bit of trivia has vacated my mind. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Gertie, gra- I'm afraid we're just going to have to move on. Because- Gertie, grab his pills. Oh my God! <laughs> I knew it. He's having a stroke. I am not having a. St- Anyways, we'll move on. Uh, DJ, uh, thanks for those recommendations. Here's mine. Uh, this uh, trope of of the people gathering at a country house and becoming isolated. I love it. Uh, one of the very first shows we did on this very program was The Old Dark House. About a year ago, we did it for Halloween. The Old Dark House, 1932, it was the uh, movie Boris Karloff did right after Frankenstein. Uh, 
and it was directed by the same director of Frankenstein. Uh, it was just about people that gathered into an old house for a night and things happened. You want to go way back to 1927, a silent movie, the cat and the canary, also the same uh, trope. And, uh, Let's move up to 1945, an Agatha Christie novel that was made into a film. It was called Then There Were None. And uh, actually, in the United Kingdom, you guys know that as Ten Little Indians. So I would recommend uh, And Then There Were None, The Old Dark House. I would also... if you. <laughs> Want to go to 1959 a little further up? Hell, why not catch House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price? And uh, that was a little William Castle movie that's just fun as hell and uh, perfect for Halloween. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's about this guy who, along with his wife, they invite five people to the house for a haunted party, and whoever stays in the house for one night will earn $10,000. And as the night progresses, the kids are trapped within the house with an assortment of terrors. So, oh, please to enjoy. Oh, so one last bit of trivia, Toppy. Would it surprise you to know there was another actor considered for the role that Truman Capote was awarded? I can't imagine. This is going to be good, folks. Okay. Who? All right. Well, if, if you get a chance, folks, to grab a copy of Murder by Death on disc, it's available on DVD and Blu-ray. There's a little interview with Neil Simon in more recent years, and he admitted that one of the people they originally considered for the part of Lionel Twain was none other than Perry Mason Orson Welles. <laughs> okay. And, you know uh, what? I can, I can see Orson Welles would have fit in there just fine. You know, and uh, he, he was a little surprised when they told him that uh, they were thinking of Truman Capote when he wasn't available. So, all oh. right, folks. So it is time for us to jaunt back out to the lobby there. We've got to figure out what's going to be going on next time. So give me those coins, Toppy, the ma magician's coins. All right, folks, you got to know that a uh, long time ago, this movie theater that we're in, in Spuds Flats, it, uh, used it, it, before it was a movie, it was a goddamn... Uh, oh, I swore. <laughs> I'm not supposed to swear on this show, folks. Uh, it was a vaudeville uh, outlet, uh, not outlet, but anyways, a Venue? stage for vaudeville. <laughs> Venue, thank you. And uh, people, you know, lots of act, but one of them was a magician. He left this bag of coins. We discovered if we put these magic coins into this, uh, uh, one of uh, Gertie's gumball machines out front, uh, we get strange suggestions for our next topic. Haul off those magic coins, DJ. Now. DJ, lay it on us. What do we got next time? Okay. Next time on Matinee Minutia on Friday, November 1st. We're going to be talking about a biography. It's based on a true story. It's a comedy also, and a drama, because this is set during wartime. 1987. And it stars Robin Williams. And this is directed by the same man who brought us Rain Man. And the later Robin Williams film Toys. We're going to be discussing... Good morning, Vietnam, with our special guest, Steve, host of Jazz and Soul Express on KUHS Denver, Thursdays from 2 to 4 Mountain Standard Time, next time on Matinee Minutia. DJ, I can't wait for this. This is going to be wonderful. I happen to know uh, that Steve is like... I don't know, he's a font of knowledge, as they say, of movie and actors and 
trivia, and uh, he has selected this movie, which I really love, as our next topic. Good morning, Vietnam. It's going to be great, folks. Please join us. So that means that's another listener request. Hey. Hope you like that. Oh, that was great. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And uh, Toppy, let us know once again who managed to be in our crowd tonight. Well, we really, really want to thank those who showed up to participate live. As we've done the show, I've been watching the chat room activity. It's just been so wonderful tonight. We have to thank Aunt Tudor. We have uh, Tommy. And uh, Rick Blaine, 1964, to thank for all of that activity. It's been a lot of fun reading what you guys had to say. We really appreciate you coming to join us here at the Marionette Theater, and we hope you will join us again. Alrighty, my partner in crime, my movie brother. Yeah. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to univazpods.net, click the tower for audio, enter Discord for chat. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or let us know how we're doing. Email us at matinemanusha at gmail.com. Joe's gone wild with Matt and Tom. Speak up. The Smellcast by Tommy Smelly. Be heard. Tastes like burning with Tim and James. Unique voices in podcasting. The Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. Univazpods.net.